welcome to Prosper Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Maria Bliven. And today we are going to be talking with Michael. And Michael is a special person at Western Governors University, special in the way that he helps military students and potential military students find their path to the rest of their lives. So stay tuned and hear more from Michael. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Michael. Michael, you are a strategic partnership manager, right? I am. And what does a strategic partnership manager do? A lot of things, but you know, our primary role is to, to create and develop relationships, create a, a broad network for reaching prospective students. And I, I am uh, primarily focused on the military and veteran community. Right. So strategic partner manager for Western Governors University. And which region are you in? Uh, I'm in the Southeast region, and uh, I primarily focus on Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina. I, I live in uh, North Carolina. Oh, fantastic. So uh, just so you know, listeners, there is a strategic partnership manager in every region of Western Governors University. So in building a relationship with potential military veterans and warriors for being students at Western Governors University. Michael, do you want to tell our listeners about Western Governors University? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Western Governors University is a nonprofit, 100% online uh, university. We do a few things different than kind of the traditional universities, and the biggest of them being that we're competency-based. So whereas uh, traditional university students are kind of, uh, you know, a 16-week semester, students are able to progress through their coursework as they show and are able to prove mastery of, of the subjects, which is one of the things that we really found out really matched well with not only our currently serving uh, military members, but also veterans and their families, as a lot of them, you know, have special circumstances, whether it's due to time or other things that they're dealing with. Well, that and the mobile factor. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in my own educational adventures, I like to call it, I, I wish I had known about, you know, a program like what Western Governors University provides. I I would have been able to complete my undergrad a lot sooner. So I'm glad you mentioned that the traditional education model is 16 weeks. The term for Western Governors University is six months, but you don't have to take six months per course. Yeah, You can actually get through many courses in six months. And it's really impressive, you know, I absolutely, you know, I, I get to go out and, um, you know, work all these, you know, veteran transition events and job fairs, employment fairs, and quite often run into either WGU alum or uh, current students. And it is so inspiring hearing some of the stories you get, how, I mean, I would say that a lot of WGU students or alum, the one thing they're hungry, like they're focused, they're there for a reason. So it's pretty inspiring seeing how fast some of them are able to really kind of progress through their work. Yes, and just so that the listeners know, it's that they progress through their work, but they it's on a competency base. 
So in other words, they have to show mastery. It's not that they just take a test and then, you know, do an assignment and, and away you go. It's more like you're taking a test, but you're doing a performance assignment to demonstrate mastery, that you know what it is that you know, and you can do what it is that you need to do. And the skills that are, you're developing have come into play to the master level. Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, we were on a call, had a meeting with uh, a pretty senior person in the North Carolina education system. And his wife recently completed one of our graduate level programs. And uh, so that was a great intro to the call. We definitely did not have to you know, do any validating of, of what we brought to the table because he firsthand saw that as his wife went through grad school. So, yes, it's pretty rigorous. And that's exactly the word he used, rigor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything worthwhile having, it, it takes some effort, doesn't it? Uh, I know that most of what we want to talk about is the fact that the transitioning service members need to A, be prepared and B, be willing to do the work. No, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I think as someone that just recently transitioned on the military, you know, I think I think that's one of the things that kind of gets glossed over as people talk about transitioning out of the military. You know, everyone wants to front load the, oh, hey, make sure when you go get your VA checkup, you do this or or or, or all these other aspects but not a lot of time is spent on the work, the hard work that you got to do as a veteran to, that's really on you. It's not on prospective employers to translate what you did. That's your job, you know, to be able to communicate your value proposition, what you bring to the table and, and then be prepared to be competitive and, you know, out in the real world, as I like to say. <laughs> I know. Communicate your value proposition. That's key. Because you, when you come out of the military, you are very valuable in the marketplace. Even though the marketplace may not have a welcoming situation for all of us all at this all at once, you have to find it, and you have to you have to work toward it. And one of the things before we started our podcast, we were pre-podcast chatting, was the fact that you're Sergeant Major. Uh, yeah. And 24 plus years in the army. Yep. And people came to you <laughs> yeah. for help. <laughs> I don't mean to be putting you on the spot, no. but you know, I'm also a, a master sergeant, a retired master sergeant. So I share that NCO. Yeah. So, but you know, and, and that's just the thing, you know, I mean, one, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's some of the, the advice, you know, that a lot of senior leaders in the military give that, that is sound, you know, because a lot of those things that education, you know, that's going to make you successful both in the military and on the outside, whether it's, it's taking uh, college for promotion points or, or some other kind of, you know, military career progression is one thing. And quite frankly, as a SAR major, I had no experience to to base advice off of is is how to prepare, you know, for what's next, you know, to to have to have that end state in mind and work towards that. I mean, my undergrads in in liberal studies, I I have literally the most generic general ed bachelor's degree, which honestly didn't really set me up for or success other than kind of checking that undergrad box, which was advice I was given you know, that I in turn kind of passed on to my subordinates. 
So, yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a lot of work to be done in the 18 months since I've retired from the Army. And I would say I'm still, you know, still have a lot of work to do. Right. But even though you are set up pretty well for, you know, housing and employment and and whatever else that was necessary for your transition to go well, let's say, right? And still, you have more to travel on your path to transitioning. That's interesting, because there's a lot of people that have yet to start the path of transitioning <laughs> and haven't really experienced all of that yet. But, you know, I, I, I want to go somewhere else with this conversation, Michael. What do you suppose can be done? So now that I've transitioned and you've transitioned and we are senior NCOs or retired senior, senior NCOs, what can we do about this? Well, I think what we're doing right now is is part of it. You know, like I said, maybe maybe when I was a SHAR major, I wasn't the right one to be given that advice, to do that mentoring in that regards, because I had no experience in it. But I do now. You do now. So I, I think what we're doing, this is it right here. This is the first step here is helping mentoring, passing on, you know, lessons learned, you know, and helping those people out. Okay. All right. So that's good to know that we're on the right track. <laughs> we're we're heading there. Yeah. I mean, but, but there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, look at the, look at the landscape where, you know, there wasn't so much after the First World War, but after World War II is when a lot of things started progressing as far as a transition type events. I remember before my grandpa passed him telling me about some of the employment things the military was doing as he came back from World War II and stuff. And as we've progressed, those systems and resources have been built out. But if you look at, you know, we're coming off of two conflicts in over two decades. How many service right. members? I mean, I don't I don't even think we have a good grasp. I don't think the I mean, obviously, the Department of Defense is a forward looking organization. They need to be concerned with the defense of the nation. But, you know, the Department of Veteran Affairs and then the the army of uh, nonprofits, I would say that we probably struggle to really grasp the depth and the breadth of, of the work that needs to be done. You're right. You're absolutely right. And at some point, we really need to maybe get together on on something like this because it's a huge issue. We know it's a huge issue. People go into dark places over this issue because they just simply can't figure this out. And, you know, and it's one of those things, you know, that's kind of a a two-edged sword because as you see some organizations grow and without naming any names, you know, you, you, you see some of the effectiveness kind of drop off, you know, like steering an aircraft carrier. So their ability to, to meet the veteran or the veteran's family where they are, unfortunately diminishes at the same time where they're also gaining the, the funding and the resources that would make them more effective. So it, it, unfortunately, it's one of those things like, you know, here in North Carolina, we have the NC Serves Network, which is great because it provides that. So organizations like Veterans Bridge Home is able to, to still reach out and be effective because they're, they're on the ground where the need is. And, and, and whether that's a mental health, whether that's housing, you know, some economic employment, they're able to do that. And because of the managing the NC Serves Network, which is a community care network, they're able to get those referrals in and pretty quickly. But I mean, I think that's always 
a concern. Some regards, you say, you know, as far as we get together. Now, I agree, we we do, and and there definitely needs to be more communication between organizations. You know, unfortunately, the sad part is is there's some people in the community that, that do get a little territorial, especially when concerns of funding and stuff like that, because resources are limited. Right. Well, thank you, Michael, for taking a little bit of time to share with the listeners of Prosper Podcast some insight as to the military transitioning issue, if you will, and the possible solutions that we could all come together and provide. I appreciate your, your taking the time and for, uh, for what it is that you do as a strategic partnership manager to help military transitioning occur. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi there. You know what? When Michael said communicating the value proposition of a person that is leaving the military, I'm wondering if this would be of interest to anybody out there. Hopefully it is because you have a value proposition. You have a value, first of all. Get in the mindset. The same as what Michael said. It's a mindset. Get in the mindset. You are value. You have value. You bring value. And then communicate that and move forward, making sure that you, first of all, see that you've got what it takes to move forward, because you do. And then move forward and make it happen on your path to prosper.